church planning is kind of like a trendy faddish thing. You, you, you guys know this, right? There's buzzwords, they come and go. And I think people have been looking not so much for trends and fads or trying out someone else's idea or methodology, but they're looking for the New Testament principles. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name is Noah Oldham, lead pastor of August Gate, joined, as always, by Hayden Ratner, the senior pastor of Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hayden, brother, good to see you, my man. Bro, so good to be back here on the We Are Send Network podcast. And today, we got a special guest to learn from, to get better from. This guy is known as the Church Planting Ninja. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Yeah, who gets that title? Right? This guy. Oh my Come goodness. On. Yeah, we, we have Payton. author, pastor, missiologist, Peyton Jones. Peyton, Payton welcome Jones. to the podcast, man. Good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh yeah, you know, the the whole ninja thing was just because I didn't stay put. You yeah. know, if I were uh if I were the kind of guy that planted and stayed, I might not be a ninja, but a ninja steals mm. out of the shadows, strikes hard with the gospel, then disappears again. You never knew that he was even there. Hey, Pastor Payton, I, I know that you're um, you're a movie guy and different things like that. Um, did you ever see the movie Three Ninjas growing up? I used to love that movie for whatever reason, The Three Little Ninjas. You terrible? know, I never saw that one. Wow. Wow, I just embarrassed myself on the podcast. No, no, uh, let me let uh, me embarrass myself on the podcast okay. because I was going back to like Lee Van Cleef, man, like training dudes in the eighties, like the American Ninja, right? Like oh, I'm older God. than there you, so yeah. So my shows are even lamer. <laughs> hey. I don't think he knows anything about Colt and Rocky and Tum Tum, my man. Oh, I, yes, 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 yes. You just I actually, you went there. You went there. I just introduced. I introduced my kids to Three Ninjas uh, a couple weeks ago. So legendary. Nice. Well done, Peyton. Man, we are so thankful to have you on the podcast. This podcast has helped so many planters, so many pastors, to think differently and level up in this church planting ambition that God has given us to see a healthy, multiplying church in every community across North America. And uh, I want to today. We want to dive in. We want to lean into the knowledge and the wisdom God has given you that has resulted in this book called Plantology. And so. Peyton, if you would, just get us started in this conversation. What is plantology and why did it need to be written? Yeah, thanks for asking that. And thanks for having me on today. Um, it's really a gift uh, to be here. What you guys may not know is that so much of this book came out of a conversation that we had at the NAM headquarters. We locked ourselves in an office. It was back when Jeff Christofferson was there, Brad Briscoe, the whole training team, the SIN Network, a few others made some cameos, but we locked ourselves in a room and said, what is it that church planners need to know? And it was going to be the the training 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever it was at that point. And um, of course, shortly after that, Jeff resigned. I think he said, oh man, I know it's coming. I better get out of here. But then we had Dahadi come in 
And man, at that time, I was uh, just overwhelmed with travel. It was too much for for a young family. I had a daughter with special needs. So we never got to see this um, come to fruition on the training side. But I, I owe a lot of this book to that think tank mm. that um, came out of NAM. And so later on, uh, this book was birthed. But uh, one of the things that I really began to see over the years as I looked at church planning was uh, church planning is kind of like a trendy faddish thing. You, you, you guys know this, right? There's buzzwords. They come and go. And I think people have been looking not so much for trends and fads or trying out someone else's idea or methodology, but they're looking for the New Testament principles. And so plantology is almost like a chemical combination of three different components. So think of, uh, you know, if you look at a Venn diagram, the three overlapping circles, the first one is scripture. Is this something the apostles and Jesus did or trained in? That's the first circle. The second circle is best global missional practices. Is this something that you could use in the Southern Hemisphere or the developing nations? Is it something that transfers to any and every culture? Uh, and, and, and I would argue that these principles do. And then the third thing is, if those first two circles are true, scripture and best global missional practices or missionary practices, then surely in times of kingdom expansion, where the gospel has been really advancing, surely you would see this spring up in church history. Hmm. And of course we do. We've got the Moravians and the Wesleyans in the West, and we've got various other movements uh, you know, th- throughout other epochs in church history where the gospel went nuts. We've got Southeast wow. Asia, other places. So where those three things intersect, that's what I call plantology. That is a plantology principle. And there's more than 10, but the book was 500 pages. You can only fit 10 into a book wow. this size. And uh, so only 500 pages. <laughs> only 500 pages. My book. manuscript was 800 pages. Wow. And they said, Peyton, we love you, but no. Yeah. Fair. My goodness. What? Well, hey, t- tell us a little bit more. Dig, dig a little bit deeper here. So these are the principles. What well, uh, you said, there's 10 principles in this, in this book that everyone needs that, that all three of those circles, they come together and you have this Venn diagram. Like what, what are some of the most important principles that are there in plantology that you think that we need to hear about, that planters need to know about? Well, the, the book starts off talking about um, rediscovering first century style ministry because, I mean, let, let's face it, right? They, they were the geniuses. They were the experts. Um, they, they did it. I mean, Acts is just a phenomenal record of this move of God. So uh, each of those plantologies is put in the sense of rediscovering. Plantology, obviously, you look at it, it looks like a science textbook uh, because the principles are, are like the science of it. The art is how you apply it, right? So methodology, faddishness, that's going to change. These principles will stay the same, but how you apply it changes. But if we rediscover first, first century ministry, um, each of those principles has like a, a from and to statement. So the first one would be from church starting to church planting. And so church starting is, you know, what the fatter trends are is, you know, you you rent a, a public space building, you design a sexy logo, you get a flashy website, you do your email marketing or whatever marketing, social media, and, and you replace uh, the stuff that made the first century church tick. We're really good at mm. replacing 
um, things that actually cause fruit, disciple-making, evangelism, prayer. You can automate everything. You can bypass all of that and start a church. But church planting is what the apostles did. Paul proclaimed wow. Jesus wherever he went. He discipled. Um, he, he penetrated a community. He got his hands dirty. That's the kind of stuff that we want planters to be able to rediscover. And so wow. the difference between, you know, an inventor, an innovator, we talk about innovators. I don't want to be that big of an innovator. I don't mind innovating um, things, but I want to be more like a scientist, like Sir Isaac Newton, who said, I'm, I'm thinking God's thoughts after him. I want to rediscover some of this stuff that made the church pop. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Wow. That is good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I cannot was... go ahead. No, go for it. No, I think that you were about to, you just had a thought. I want to hear it. I, I did. I, you know, I agree with this. I know a lot of guys might disagree with this, um, but I've seen how difficult it is, even as I agree with it in practice. But in your in your book, you talk about that you believe that team planting is the most effective form of planting. I would love to hear how you came to that conclusion and why that's important and what that looks like uh, in practice for planters today to apply. It is such a great question because as we read Paul's ministry unfolding in the book of Acts, you see, you know, it's three missionary journeys that we have, right? Uh, the first one is to Cyprus and in, in Galatia, and he comes back to Antioch after that missionary journey with he and Barnabas and, and John Mark. And the churches are just crumbling and falling apart. And part of the reason is, you know, they just showed up as a couple missionaries did their, did their thing, worked their magic, and left. And Paul, on his second missionary journey, you know, I like to call it his steep learning curve, right? Like he he goes back and says, hey, let's go strengthen the churches. And we think, oh, that sounds really nice, you know, strength. No, Paul, Paul was saying they're a wreck. We got to go back and fix them, right? And so they go back. And this time, he the first thing you start seeing him do is pick up people like Timothy, and Silvanus and all these others that he starts recruiting them and he starts training them. And then he starts depositing them on a second missionary journey behind him. And so he's creating what the book talks about as fist teams and strike teams. Fist teams are the teams you leave, you raise up so you can leave ninja style. And then a strike team is the team you move out with or you you multiply with. And, of course, I use APEST as the basis of this, whether you agree or not. I, mean, I think people could could adopt team planting without being fully convinced of APEST. Um, sorry to interject real yeah. quick. Just just want to make sure uh, if you can just, just define the acronym in case somebody is not unaware of APEST, they can just jump in and. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, APES is Apostolic Prophetic Evangelist Shepherd and Teacher. And so there are five different functions of Jesus, really, that yeah. um, Paul says, you know, God has given these gifts that we might equip the saints with these functions of Jesus. So the body matures and it looks not like an arm or a leg of Jesus, right? Like like we have these movements. We have the uh, uh, Pentecostal Charismatic Movement. They're partially right. They're not completely right. They're partially right mm. um, because uh, they get the prophetic part of it, right? We we have the teacher, the word-based movements, which I came from, and, and Southern Baptist, definitely a word, right? It's it's partially right. I know on this part, I have to say it's all right, but, you know, the word is is chief. Like, you know, I'm a reform guy, you know, I'm, I'm 
you know, been at Lloyd-Jones's church when I first discovered that. In fact, when we were planting out of Lloyd-Jones's church, someone told me, you're apostolic because of the, uh, the weird frontier stuff we're doing. And, and I said to the guy, thank you. That's, I, I think that's a compliment, but my theology doesn't allow me to believe that. And and so what what the that's my train. It's your train, man. I love it. It's good thing. Good thing you guys edit. <laughs> what Our what first else? Feature train on the podcast. That's awesome. But we have the word apostolic, which simply means sent one or a missionary. And so I would definitely see myself as someone who's going to be on the move, right? Always going to be in motion, like Paul. And it was hard for me to describe my ministry until I finally just realized, you know what? I do what Paul does. I, I, I infiltrate a community with the gospel. I proclaim Jesus. Uh, I disciple people. I raise up leadership and I blow the heck out of Dodge. Mm. And so I would say that I have a weakness and a blind spot. So, for example, my worst uh, uh, thing part about me is shepherding. Like you don't want me to try to shepherd people through their problems and, uh, you know, get all touchy feely. I'm terrible at that. Um, so I absolutely need shepherds with me and, uh, you know, teachers, all, all this mix works together to create an atmosphere of Jesus in any church plant. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm not concerned about the terms of the or the theology of it. What I'm concerned about is do we function like they did in the New Testament? Good. It's good. Yeah, that is that is that's that's helpful. And I, I love how you keep getting back to that reality. Um, do we function like they didn't? Are, do we are we reinventing the wheel that was never really broken in the first place? I, I like to say sometimes, you know, the the message in itself doesn't change, uh, but the methods are, are are open to how we want to go about that. But I think that there's some very clear methods that the Acts Church did and saw incredible results and fruit and churches planted and the gospel moved. The world was turned upside down. And so I love how you're saying, hey, we could we could probably do well to go back and to examine. The question I wanted to ask you is, I guess, more of a why question. Why do you, in your studies as a missiologist, why do you think that planters, churches today tend to move away, compromise, drift from what we see in the text to almost a cookie cutter form of planting? Like, what do you think is the, the motivate? Some, some of it could be even just demonic spiritual warfare. Um, but what do you think? What, what have you seen in your journey? Man, I love that question, Hayden. Like, you don't, you don't have any idea how much I love that question because mm. right now um, I'm going through Deuteronomy. Yeah. And Deuteronomy, you know, Moses is constantly telling them, you know, he's parked at the at the base of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and they're about to go through that valley of blessing and cursing. And of course, Deuteronomy right. is where he's preaching the sermon to them of, of the law. And he's saying, look, and it's not like he's laying the law on them. He's just saying, love God, trust God, right? Yeah. Like that's the key. And so as he is preaching to them, he's, he's going through their history, telling them, Look, in times past, it looked impossible, but 
the people trusted God and this happened. And then over here, you know, they thought, no, we'll do it this way. And so Israel's history, I think, is a lot like the church's history, where we keep wanting like, hey, we need a king. Everybody else has a king. We need this big marketing thing. We need that. And I'm not against marketing. I mean, uh, the podcast that I run, I, my co-host is a marketer. He's an entrepreneur and he's made his money in marketing. Um, right. But we, we, he's been a part of our church plants. And so he'll say, man, the stuff that the church has seen on the ground is stuff we could never do with marketing. Getting the word out is one thing, but what actually penetrates a community, it's very different. And so um, what, what I would say is that it's that, that lack of faith, I would say, ultimately, that God is still the God of the Bible. For example, like my very first uh, foray into church planning, I had been at a, at a Baptist church um, believe it or not, for, uh, you know, maybe two years, three years, and God really started moving. I mean, the church started growing, but there was a split kind of like in Jerusalem between the, the Hellenists and the Jews. We had a split over the Welsh language because mm. all of the Welsh speakers are starting to come to faith in an English speaking service. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you. But in Wales, that was very threatening. And there's a history there and there's a reason. And they were oppressed and their language, they tried to, you know, the English were trying to eradicate it. So there were sensitivities there. Now, I was taking Welsh lessons. I was trying to be sensitive, but they kicked me in the teeth in the end. And everything went to a vote, get rid of Jonesy. And I won the vote. And the church was like the, the leadership that was split down the middle the side that lost, and there's too much blood and guts. We've since buried the hatchet. But uh, at that time, they're like, no, we're going to make life tough for you. We ain't, we ain't going. We're not going to stick to the agreement. And I just I just resigned. And I was brokenhearted um, over the people were getting saved. I mean, just crazy stuff was happening. Like this one Buddhist lady had a vision of uh, Jesus dying on the cross. Um, I took Welsh class with her. She was a Buddhist lady, had a garden center. She was hammering something. She has this vision of Jesus. And she says, he was dying, but she goes, get this. He was dying for me, Peyton. Isn't that weird? I mean, <laughs> that's that's what he spoke to me. He was dying for me. She goes, isn't that the craziest thing? Why would he die for me? And I might as well have been in a chariot, sitting next to an Ethiopian, reading Isaiah 53, asking me to explain wow. it to him. These supernatural things were popping. And so I was just done. And I was like, and I, I remember quitting ministry. I remember telling God, I quit. I love you. I'm mad at you, but I don't want to work mm. for you anymore. And the mm. reason why is your people suck. I never, ever want to fight through Christians to reach the lost again. So I, I wimped out, admittedly, right? I was a wimp. I was being a baby. But I went to work at Starbucks. I was finishing up my MA in theology, getting ready to come back to the States. And um, as I'm working on the bar, people are coming through. They're they're wanting to know, you know, what's your, where's your accent from? I know this is a long story. We'll get to the point here. They kept asking me, it was 2006, have you read Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code? And I kept saying no. And they said, well, um, if you did, like, would you talk to me about it? And I thought, yeah, well, yeah, of course I would. In fact, I'll read it. Enough people asked that. I read the book. One day I'm sitting on my sofa, I'm praying. And remember, I'm mad at God. I don't want to work for him anymore. I'm going back into the medical field. Mm. And I say to God, God, this is one morning. I'll throw a reading group one night only, but I ain't going to push it. And I'm not going to make it happen. Because if you're the God of the Bible that I know you to be, you will open this door. 
So I'm, I'm willing, God, but I'm, wow. I'm not going to push it. That night, we're checking out muffins back at Starbucks in the trash. And as a mid-chuck, my manager says, hey, Jonesy, you know how you uh, do churchy things? And I said, yeah, I used to. And he goes, well, if you'll uh, do a churchy thing, I don't care what it is. Um, the district manager says we need social events running in here. And uh, you, you open open season for you, man. Do whatever you want. Wow. I got to get a social event going here. Wow. Boom. So I was like, all right, God, here it goes. That, by the way, um, we threw it one night, only 30 non-believers turned up. I could not in Wales have gotten 30 non-believers to show up in a room and talk about Jesus if I had tried. I had been there seven years up to that point. I had done everything, door to door, street preaching, you name it, I did it. All the grotty stuff no one wants to do. But God, like, kind of like Jim Cimbala said, God can do in one moment what we couldn't do in a lifetime. And That's I right. saw God turn up when I was mad at him. My heart was in the wrong place. And God just turns up and goes, okay, now get out of the way, right? Stop trying so hard. Watch what I do. At the end of that yeah. night, this lady says, uh, can we do it again? I said, no. And then everybody starts, come on, come on, let's do it <laughs> no. again. That was fun. And one person <laughs> said, we're in a room talking about Jesus, drinking good coffee, eating good cakes, and nobody was yelling at us. All right. So we did a second Great. night, did a third night. At the third night, they go, because I'm at a loss now. I don't want to work for God. I don't want to plant a church. I said, look, uh, I'm done. And they go, hey, this one lady goes, I got an idea. I know how what we could keep doing. Because I'm like, what, you guys want to do the life of pine? We'll debunk uh, universalism. <laughs> she goes, no, we could read the Gospels. You know, like the real Gospels, not the Gnostic, the, 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 the nonsense ones. The real Gospels, we could talk about it. And now I've got 50 people in the room. And they go, yeah, like it was the most like the most punk rock idea they'd ever heard. And that was the start of a church. And I still was wow. trying not to take it. I was trying to give it to someone else. And uh, and again, that's the God of the Bible who if we'll just do the little little things right, like take those yeah. risks, step outside yeah. of our comfort zone. God turns up, and meets us. Wow. Yeah. Be obedient to those spirit led prompts. Even if they're, they seem small at first, there's something bigger around the corner. And that's yeah. so good to hear. Wow. I never knew that story about how you guys started the, the church in Wales. That's yeah. uh, that is pretty fire. Man, Peyton, um, we, we are, uh, we're quickly running out of time here in today's episode, but I want to, I want to real quickly, I want our listeners to be able to understand how plantology can help them moving forward, because I know a lot of guys, I've seen this with all kinds of training methodologies. A lot of guys come into church planting with their own preconceived notions and ideas, and they, they make a lot of mistakes because of that. Um, what would you say to the guy who feels like he's got it all, got it all in his mind situated? This is what it looks like to plant a church, but he's missing the mark. He's struggling. How can plantology, how can that help him take a step back so then he can then move forward uh, with a little more energy? Well, one of the things this is going to do is it's going to it's going to probably cause you to rethink everything. You know, um, when I was on the training team there at NAM, you know, we talked a lot about vision and mission. And then Dahati Lewis came in. Um, I'll never forget him saying uh, in uh, uh, Raised by Wolves, he says, um, or Among Wolves, sorry, Among Wolves, he says, uh, vision comes from burden. And that just that little truth bomb, that little gem 
I remember just going, he's right. Because I had planted uh, in urban Long Beach. Um, and I, when I say urban, I mean the belly of the beast. Where you guys had the Sin Conference a few years ago, I was two yeah. blocks from that. That was my wow. church plant in Long Beach. Um, as urban as you get. And I, I just remember Dahati saying that. And I, I remember thinking, nobody's saying that. That is so true. There is, is, there is the church starting way and the church planting way. And what I would say is, is church plantology would probably rip you a new paradigm of church planting, but one that, that, like I said, is based in scripture, based in best global missionary practices. And when I say that, what I mean is you can plant kind of like Dr. Seuss in, in, in a box with a fox and on a train in the rain, like it, it, with plantology principles, it means that you can plant anywhere amongst anyone wow. at any time. And, wow. and, and that, to me, uh, is what I believe the Holy Spirit laid down for us in Scripture. And somehow we've taken it and corrupted it. Imagine that, right? Like we would take something very simple, like the gospel or anything else, and, and screw it up. But yeah. it, it, there's this, this way that you discover that you, you're still being so true to Scripture, and you're right. honoring what God has done in church history. And what our missionary brothers and sisters out there are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. If those could come together in one place, uh, which I believe is what plantology does, I think that we could really start to get out of some of the ruts that we're in. That's good. So good. Well, Peyton, man, it has been so good to have you on the We Are Send Network podcast today. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Hey, if you want to know more about church planting with the Send Network, you can check us out at sendnetwork.com, or you can text the words Send Network to 888-123. That's Send Network to 888-123. And you can check out Plantology anywhere that books are sold. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to lean in to see God reshape that paradigm. I like how Peyton said it, rip you new paradigm in church planting for us to see a movement, a healthy multiplying church in every community across North America. Until next time, We Are Sin Network. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sinnetwork.com.